Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Game Cult Podcast. I'm Nathaniel Hoover, your host today, and a very special thank you to Video Xavier, another Game Cult staff member who put together that delightful theme song you just heard. If you like his work, you can check it out on Facebook, 12 followers slash Video Xavier. Joining me today are Zach Rich. Say hi, Zach. Hi, Zach. Thanks. Christian Porter. Hello. And Stuart Gipp. It's Gipp, but thank you and hello. Um, oh. what? Oh no, we've been mispronouncing everyone's name forever. What? Well, everyone says that, so don't worry about it. Alright, then we won't. Yay! Actually, while we're correcting people, my name is pronounced Christ Ian. And from now on, I'm going to be calling you Nathaniel Hoover. So we've got a retro-themed podcast going on today. Um, we figured that, well, I figured, really, and I, I just pulled my weight around a little bit, saying that, oh, we've been doing a lot of discussion about modern things, things that are recent, timely news, and I said, well, I, I don't have anything to do with any of that, so let's talk about retro games, something I can uh, you know, discuss to some extent. So what I'd like to open up with is, um, you know, all of us are gamers. We've been playing games for who knows how long. So my question to everybody is, what got you into gaming? What games did you grow up on? I, myself, I started out with way back to the Atari. Uh, nice. Had me a 2600. Played Pitfall. Uh-huh. All the classics on that. Uh, but Nintendo. The original Nintendo was the real uh, the real starting point when I completely lost all social skills in, uh, trade, in trade for uh, skills at the Nintendo. Nice. Yeah, I'm actually in the same boat with you, Christian. I started on an Atari 2600, did a lot of Frogger, Haunted House, Indiana Jones, Yars Revenge, like all of the ones. uh, Combat, lots of fun. Oh, yeah, I love that one. And so I I had that at my grandparents' house, actually, so that was a nice little treat going over there to visit. And at home, I had an old-school NES, so that's really what I grew up on, and I've been a Nintendo fanboy ever since. How about you, Stuart? Zach? Well, it wasn't really such a sort of Nintendo NES sort of thing. Uh, that wasn't really as popular in, in the UK as it was in, in America, because in America it was the big kind of the breakthrough after the crash, I think. So um, for me, it was like I started, I had a ZX Synquest Spectrum uh, with 48K of memory, uh, which was um, Ooh, exotic. Actually, actually fairly awful. Um, so I won't talk about that. <laughs> but what I did end up getting eventually, when I was, must, have been, must have been about six years old or something, was I got given a Sega Master System um, with... Uh, I believe it was Sonic the Hedgehog, Alex Kidd in Miracle World, and Castle of Illusion starring Mickey Mouse, which remains to this day the best game ever made. Uh, that's that's completely that's not subjective. That is just a fact. It's the best game. And uh, it was that, and I was playing on the NES over at my friend's house. Uh, everyone else had a Mega Drive. I had a Master System. I was I was a poor child, I guess. I don't know. Um, but I didn't. I mean, as far as the Atari goes, I didn't really get to play that until I was much older and I and surprisingly enough I really got into that during the whole uh, PS2 and Xbox sort of era because I just found a lot more appeal in games like River Raid than in uh, Ninja Gaiden but you know Gaiden? Gaiden? I don't know It's pronounced Ian Oh fair enough <laughs> but um, yeah that's pretty much me it's the Sega Master System really which was much more popular in, in England than the Nintendo NES was uh, surprisingly enough uh, although in in America, I think the Master System kind of crashed and burned. I'm not really sure. Yeah, it didn't do yeah. so well. I think they were right to, like, Tonka toys or something, and they just fucked it all up. Anyway, yeah. Um, was it you, Zach? You were going to... Um, uh, yeah. Well, my story begins years and years after you guys, because I'm five to ten years younger than all of you. Um, but I started off with an Nintendo 64 that I got from my... I believe I was seven years old. I got it for Christmas. Um, I I grew up playing a lot of um, Super Nintendo at Francis' house, at my cousin's house, all that stuff. But my first actual console was my Nintendo 64 with Diddy Kong Racing and uh, Super Mario 64. And uh, my collection been steadily growing from there. <laughs> That's where I started. Cool. Can I just can I just chip in something here about the Nintendo 64? Sure. Um. I would have loved to have had that as my first console, you know? That's, because that seems like one that's really kind of tailored for the whole fun aspect of gaming rather than the culture aspect. I'm not 100% sure what I'm talking about here, but basically <laughs> I would have had Banjo-Kazooie as a kid, you know? Just a game like that, because then, back then I would have had the patience to actually get all the jiggies, and now I just can't be asked, so... <laughs> yeah. I got all. I got 
I get up to Mad Monster Mansion and then I just get bored of it and start playing something else. How dare you get bored by Mad Monster Mansion? I don't know. It's difficult, and I'm not good at it. Mad Monster so I guess Mansion that... scared the fuck out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> I, no, I, it was terrifying. The maze with the uh, two ghosts that go around all over the place, where you have to mm. use the uh, invincibility Wonder Wing thing. That yeah. that part scared me a lot. As I'd have found something like Clanker's Cavern with all of the sort of claustrophobic. Uh, water parks would be a bit more frightening. Probably for that me. also scared uh, me. So having to go all the way down to swim for the key because swimming I'll, controls are never good. So it would be right down to the massive, uh, right down, right under the under the big fish planker. That hence the name Planker's Cavern. Yeah. Um, there's a bit where you can have to collect all the notes, and the, and the camera isn't quite good enough that you can do it without being caught on stuff. So uh, yeah, it's still a good game. Don't, don't get me wrong. Oh well, but. Really, just sort of a sense of real sort of freedom and creativity that I wish I had been able to play when I was younger. Because uh, now I play them and I just sort of get all into the mechanics of it and start being a huge nerd and complaining about the frame rate. So, yeah, no, n- not really. Not <laughs> so, looking at the games, and not necessarily the games that were your absolute favorites growing up, but which ones were most influential in the way that you look at gaming now? The kind of games that you enjoy or how you judge games? Like, for Snowboard me... Kids. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Rita, Zach. Uh, Snowboard Kids had a big influence on me. Because Snow- it was just like, it was a little-known game, but it was all hell, but it was just fun. And it was hard to pick up to play, but once you got it, it was just an and fun game. I like it better than... I like it better than a lot of art racers today. Uh, but Snowboard Kids had a big on me growing up. Cool. Christian? Hard to say, really. Uh, probably just all the Nintendo classics. Your Mario, Zelda, Mega Man, all those games kind of uh, just set the bar. And ever since then, they've just had to live up to those games. Yeah, Mega Man, absolutely. Anybody who's read anything of mine on Game Cola knows how much of a Mega Man fan <laughs> I am. I had a feeling what? you might agree. <laughs> <laughs> but that helped to cement how much I love platformers, because platformers are still my absolute favorite genre of gaming. And also that it's okay to have a difficult, challenging game. That the first Mega Man game I ever played was so difficult, I was like eight and was struggling to get anywhere in it but lots and lots of time and patience and i finally got good enough at it to beat it and i just don't have the patience for a lot of games these days but if there's something that's actually challenging that's a fair challenge i'll usually go after it and work towards it and also the Mega Man games inspired me to look for games with high level of replayability because you've got all of the different options for, oh, you can choose this boss first, or no, you can do this one instead. So uh, a big factor in whether or not I like a game is if I'm going to go back and play it again, in most cases. Yeah. Um, yeah. The original Dragon Warrior, also, amazingly, was one of my influences, because I have absolutely no patience for random encounters, but what made the original Dragon Warrior different was, first, when I played it, I didn't know any better. It was my first RPG. But it taught me the value of tactics, where every single hit point that you dealt and got dealt mattered. So lots of strategy for such a simple game. Yeah, and I've always liked those as well. Final Fantasy, uh, uh, Fantasy Star. Those really... Uh, I, I really enjoyed those games at first, too, and that's one of the reasons why I'm such a turn-based RPG nerd is because of those games. See, my problem is I played some of the Super Nintendo classics that uh, as appear on our top 50 list of the best video games ever created. Um, things like Earthbound, Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG, games that are frequently cited as the best RPGs ever, or at least the best Super Nintendo RPGs. And so I feel like I was spoiled because I played all of the ones that people say are at the absolute top of the list. And in more recent years, I've been playing other things. I've been branching out to Breath of Fire, Golden Sun, other RPGs that may or may not be anywhere near the quality or as fun just because of what I've come to expect in an RPG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find myself being really critical with uh, other games like that if they have kind of a piss-poor story or even if they don't look as good, I tend to be very critical. Any other worthwhile thoughts to contribute here? Stu? Um, well, as far as we're talking about like inspiration slash influential sort of games, right? Yes. Um, as far as that goes, for me, I've got to be kind of boring and generic and say... Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, the first one on the Mega Drive. Um, 
mainly because that game. I remember I, I used to play it at this kind of kids' club near my house. It was just up. It was like there was like a bar, and all the kids would just go off and play Sonic, basically. Um, a, a, kids a kids' club. club that's a bar. Well, there was like a bar where the parents weren't, and there was like a sort of a kids' bit of it. You oh, know? All right. Where they would just be like, "Yeah, you go, you go over there while we get pissed," basically, and. Um, uh, which led to drastic abuse. No, it didn't. That's really bleak. Sorry. No. Um, so I would sort of sit there and play. Um, you play Sonic One, and I remember thinking, just this n- games will never look better than this. It just looks like a cartoon. It looks. It's so well drawn. It's perfect. It's absolutely pixel for pixel. It's the most, probably the most perfect looking game ever. Possibly to this day, it just doesn't have any. It, you look at it now, and it doesn't really look dated. It still looks just like it belongs because it's so stylized. If you know what I mean. Yeah, um, it gets there's so many re-releases and it's just all so iconic now. You've got, if I think that was the first game that had like, well not the first, but the first really popular and uh, one with loads of sequels, I guess, that had a character who wasn't just like, sort of a facsimile character, I guess. It was this guy, this character who kind of sort of leapt out off the screen and sort of he could exist as a cartoon character. He could exist as because I mean there was the Pac-Man cartoon, but that was bollocks, obviously. Um, right, because in no way, and with Sonic, you've got this character with a personality, and as they marketed him, like with an attitude, and that's kind of what I like to see in games now. Really, is I like to see a character with actual character, not just like a, a guy with massive shoulder plates and a huge gun, like so something like Gears of War. I mean, I'm not, I can't call myself a Sonic fan anymore because, frankly, there hasn't been a good Sonic game since like 1998. But um, <laughs> yeah, but. You know what? That's the story. But um, really, games like that, really colourful and just enjoyable and escapism kind of games, rather than way down into some kind of locust tunnel or go on a minecart where everything is grey. I can't really get on with that. So, uh, yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog, he was a good hedgehog. <laughs> so that kind of segues into the next thing that I'd like to talk about. Looking at the games that were influential for you and the ones that you've really loved and the ones that you put on the top 50 list on GameCola, what would you say is the golden era of gaming? And that, that applies to both PC games and console games. I think it's hard to say. I think it, it's such a mythical thing. Like, I, I think it has a lot to do with nostalgia. Like, I grew up with these games. This was the golden era for me. And someone well, who grew up would say... For you, the golden age. Right. I don't, I don't, I don't know that there really was any golden age. I think there's been great games and a whole lot of awful games, all the time, always. I think yep. for the Nintendo, you had your Legends of Zelda's, your Mario's, but you also had your Taboo, The Sixth Sense, and uh, all kinds of other awful games. And I don't know. I think there's there was great games coming out then, and there's great games coming out even now. See, the way I look at it is I look at my game library and see what I have. And at this point, being the collector that I am, uh, even if I haven't played a game yet and have no chance to play it for a long time in the future, I'll at least pick it up to have it there. And I've pretty much fleshed out my collection of all of the games that I've wanted to play um, and have, except for a couple really hard-to-find ones here and there, and ones that I just haven't even heard of yet. And just looking at my collection alone, the old-school NES has a ridiculous amount of games for it. And the Super Nintendo is um, the, the next in line, though GameCube, just because they're in stores at GameStop for cheap, has been gradually expanding. So for me, the golden age of gaming was especially the time when NES and Super Nintendo games were being released at the same time. But that whole span, you know, even as far back as Atari, because I grew up with that and the games were simple, but they were challenging and I loved them. So everything from Atari up until the N64 hit the scene. Um, that's my golden age of gaming because it's got lots of platformers, which, like I said, my favorite kind of genre, and some of my absolute favorite games to come out of there, so um, stuff that I put on the top 50. So like Mega Man 4, Chrono Trigger, um, just, uh, lots of different games that, for me, were very strong, and a lot of other things that were fun to play, maybe not as monumental, but there were a lot of games that I enjoyed during that period. Yeah, that's what's most important to me, just quantity. I can pick out the quality from there, which is why I like. I do really like the Super Nintendo. They had a ton of really good stuff, and even the PS2. I think it had just so many games. It took a shotgun approach. It, yeah. it was hard not to find th- some that were good. The I would like, I'd like to make an argument right here. I think the Game Boy Advance is better than the Super Nintendo. So do it I. Had, it had a lot of good stuff. I think it's better. 
I think there I was plenty offered on this handheld that surpa- far surpassed what was offered on the Super Nintendo. I agree, because originally I was saying that the Super Nintendo was better because it had Yoshi's Island on it, but then they released Yoshi's Island for the Game Boy Advance, and they added levels. So, you know, I now have no need for a SNES. Oh, well. But my one issue with the, the Game Boy Advance is the audio quality, because the music oh, yeah. was such a big part of so many Super Nintendo games, and the uh, listening to Michael Gray um, Final Fantasy VI Advance, it's the same music as in Final Fantasy VI for the Super Nintendo, Final Fantasy III, but the instrument set that they used and just the general quality of the audio is so inferior by comparison. Yeah, you're not wrong. It, it's very noticeable with Donkey Kong Country 2 as well, because Donkey Kong Country, all three of the games have really nice soundtracks. Um, oh my god, Donkey Kong Country 2. I, if there is a video game soundtrack that is better than Donkey Kong Country 2's, I have yet to hear it. Hmm, yeah, well, I mean, it's got stuff like Sticker... I think it's called Sticker Brush Symphony, the ba- Bramble Blast level music. Yeah. And that's pretty much perfect Super Nintendo music right there. I've got to um, sort of say, as regards to the whole golden era, golden era of gaming thing, for me, it doesn't so much relate to the quality of the games I was playing, because for me, a lot of the golden era was revolved, in, was revolved around the community. Like, when you had stuff like Mortal Kombat 3, which everyone looks back mm-hmm. on now and goes, well, it was shit, you know? And at the time, there was this whole community built around it because we didn't know what the secret characters were. We couldn't just go on like GameFAQs and get all the info. We'd be going in, we'd be going to the arcade, we'd be going to the playground or whatever and just saying like, yeah, Human Smoke, he's in there, Rain's real, you know, Ermac's real, all that sort of thing. And hmm. um, you wouldn't know this until like years later sometimes. And of course, you've got, I mean, you had the old gaming magazines like, I, I, I guess, over there, Nintendo Power. And, uh, uh, I don't know Nintendo what else Power. Which, I mean, because I didn't, we didn't get Nintendo Power in the UK, and I recently got a collection of it, uh, uh, like, scans. And it's an amazing magazine. It's, it's like the perfect magazine. I don't understand why every magazine sucks compared to that. Because you, you get it and, it, and it just looks like an absolute, just, it's incredible. You, like, they map out full parts of the games. There's so much enthusiasm and life to it. And now it's sort of just, I don't know, Game Informer or whatever, or whatever you get now. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even pay attention to the magazines anymore, really. They're kind of Nintendo, and you'd have stuff like Castlevania 2 and no one would know how to progress because you couldn't go on, like I said, game FAQs. You'd have to discuss it. You'd have to sort of find out through your mates or through um, Nintendo Power. And now you know everything about every game before it's released, like pretty much. If, if you want that information, it's out there. You can spoil everything for yourself. So I guess to me, the golden era would be <laughs> around the time of Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. I don't even know when that came out. <laughs> But just that whole, that was when gaming was really starting to sort of get big. It was really starting to become more than just sort of a, a real sort of centered little niche pastime. Uh, although you could say that was that would be, for some people, that would be a bad thing. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. So, Zach, you got an opinion here? Um, A golden age of gaming. I think it's all in the mind. I th- if, if you were to compare technology, then obviously right now we're in the golden age of gaming, but I think you have to look at one, you have to look at the social connotations of the time. If you look at the 16-bit era and gaming is still not the biggest thing in the world, but you can fondly remember really good games and honestly, if I were to find I'd call it right now the golden age of gaming because, simply because of the community. When you have people like Gabe and Tycho, the guys from Penny Arcade, Going around and doing the things they do, getting on the time top 100 on a list for people usually reserved for like Lady Gaga and fucking Beyonce or something, that's something amazing. And just the ability to for good games, really good games, and even sometimes really bad games, and people that would go against games, Jack Thompson, uh, The Governor, it's the people that make the age of gaming grant. And what we're in right now is probably one of the strongest periods of a video game ever. That's why I think right now we're in the golden age of What about the flip side of this? So if, you, Zach, you say we're in the golden age of gaming right now, but for everyone else, where did your golden age of gaming end? What was it that killed your golden buzz? Um, at first, um, Xbox, well, currently Xbox 360 and... Uh, um, 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Xbox 360 at all. Not so much for the machine, which is a pretty nice sort of machine, but it's more what it sort of come to represent for me. Um, it's not an exaggeration for me to say there are no games, I mean literally zero games, sort of in, in like disc-based games as opposed to downloadable ones that interest me in any way. I couldn't... I mean, I had some fun with co-op games, some co-op games, some like Gears of War on co-op is moderately enjoyable, basically. I mean, you get stuff like, Ex like Explosion Man on the Xbox Live Arcade, which I love. I think it's brilliant. Um, but everything else just leaves me pretty cold. And it's just, we've got to a stage where there's a console manufactured, and it's the leading one. And more or less, all of them break down, and everyone seems to be cool with it. I mean, they're not, they're not obviously cool with it. They're complaining, but right. eventually it'll just be like, well, it's fine, because they just fix them anyway. And I'm, I'm sort of thinking, that, that doesn't really hold water for me. Why are they even releasing them like this? Um... I mean, even after these supposed fixes would come out, they would still be breaking. I don't know. There doesn't seem to be so much of a... And, of course, this whole thing of putting a game in and not being able to just play it, you've got to... Well, you don't have to, but you install it or patch it or whatever, you know? Or I could sort of pull out Neo Geo Pocket and just play that immediately. You know, I, it's, I prefer a lot of immediacy with my, with my gaming. I'm very sort of impatient, I guess. So uh, not really into the current thing at all. Yeah, I have mixed feelings on this generation of games. I, I hate, hate all the hardware. I think the Xbox 360 is an accident-prone prone piece of crap. I think the PS3 is an overpriced thing for douchebags to buy and say, look, I bought the most expensive one. And I think the Wii is a stupid toy with nothing put on it. <laughs> that was so but, brilliantly true. Well done. <laughs> but the software for for a lot of the systems I think is great. Little Big Planet on the PS3 is excellent. I can't mm -hmm. really think of much else in the PS3. I'm really a big fan of. But uh, on the Xbox, we just got Red Dead Redemption. There's Portal, the or the whole Orange Box, Bio uh, Bioshock Borderlands. There's been so much good stuff for that. And even the say Biodome, Biodome, uh, Jury Bio Duty, the game. And see no man the game they're all so great <laughs> interest me i've got to say and i don't i'm not meaning to sort of pick holes in what you're saying really but mm -hmm. the games you mentioned the 360 they're all multi-format games i know um, yeah 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 i, I right. tend to play them for that you're right and I mean, th they're good on the other ones too hmm. this is this is just like sort of back what i was saying about the 360 where there's not that much on there exclusively that would make me want to buy one i guess oh um, exclusively yeah I, I can I'm not really I don't really play the PS3 Xbox 360 sides very strongly uh, because I know there is a lot of multi multi platform games but I think the software this generation is great it's the hardware that sucks so bad the problem for me uh, with the Wii specifically is for me it's really easy to dismiss the Wii because it stands for a lot of things I don't like like accessibility I guess. <laughs> um, no, basically it's like the Wii has enough good games that I can't just dismiss it, which is very frustrating because I'll be sort of like, yeah, I, I, I've cemented my stance on this, I dislike the Wii strongly, I will argue, oh, Mario Galaxy 2, shit ooh, that does look good, yeah. and then again and then Smash Brothers Brawl or whatever and I'll just be like, eh, do you like Smash Brothers? but then, then for every Smash Brothers Brawl you've got about 300,000 imagine, I don't know um, imagine failed actor I don't know, whatever um, yeah, whatever those amazing games are. Imagine Horse Dancer. I don't know. Fashion it. Party? <laughs> I played quite a bit of that one. Imagine Baby's Horse Training Party Dancer. Yeah, they have a lot of garbage. There is quite a few good games on it. It's just there's so much crap. And not only that, but when they force that motion sensing into the games, I hate it. I yeah. generally hate the motion sensing. I look forward to the motion sensing. I look forward to Project Natal, and I look forward to seeing what PlayStation played. Uh, most of the motion sensing stuff seems a bit redundant because they just seem to be translating direct button pushes to remote movements. Mm -hmm. Rather than pressing to jump, you'll just shake the remote, which is the same as pressing A, only it requires more exertion and thus isn't as fun. Yeah, right, and that's, that's what connects to when the golden era of gaming ended for me. So as soon as the N64 hit the scene, and I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but the N64 is where, for me, the golden era of gaming not only ended, but gaming for a good long while just crashed. Because No flack for me. I hate that system. <laughs> well, my, my biggest issues were controlling certain things. And I, mm. I'm okay with the controller, but it is awkward, the N64 controller. Yeah, uh, it hurts your hands up. Yeah, like an uh, that was my only problem with it. It's mm. a bit awkward, but I love it anyway. 
I mean, these, these are common issues. Like, the camera controls on Donkey Kong 64, on Super Mario 64, anything with 64 in the title, there was a camera issue. And the graphics don't hold up. I'm okay with still the old 8-bit. Um, I'm okay with 16-bit. I'm okay with some 32-bit stuff. But early, early 3D games do not hold up very well, unless they're really stylized. Like, Super Mario 64 kind of does okay. But some of the... Most things on the original PlayStation um, just look ugly to me, and yeah. I, I don't know, I just don't enjoy them. Um, and for the longest time, there were no platformers, because everything had, I'm talking 2D platforms, I mean, because everything had to be 3D, whether or not it was necessary. And that's my problem with modern stuff. Everything has to have motion controls, if you're talking about the Wii, and like I said, I'm a Nintendo fanboy, so I only have Nintendo. So if you have a new 3D system, everything has to be 3D have motion controls, everything has to have motion controls, yeah. whether or not it's necessary. That's that was really what you're saying about the PS1, about the sort of the crash for you. Um, I mean, there was like, Sony were directly refusing to release 2D games, I think, for a period. Um, just because they had to get one over on the Saturn, which was mostly built for 2D, I think. I'm not sure if I've got my facts straight here. The 2D was, the Saturn was much more of a 2D sort of pushing machine than a 3D one. Um, unfortunately, right. um, it was also the Sega Saturn, and as a result, just a huge piece of crap. But let's not go there. Um, <laughs> now, nah, Saturn's okay, but you know, you'd never, you know, ever play on one, ever, for any reason. <laughs> but now, the N64, it doesn't hold up graphically, strict, mostly because the graphics are just so blurred. The, the output is so terrible. Um, and the 2D games, because normally 2D games will sort of look better for longer because of this sort of stylized, but the only 2D games that I can recall was stuff like Kirby 64 and uh, Yoshi's Story, and neither of those are really that good to me. Uh, there was Mischief Makers, which I really liked. Right. But Mischief Makers does look like crap now. This is the thing. It plays really well, but it looks like shit. The one saving grace, well, two saving graces that are helping me to not be a complete retro curmudgeon is that the GameCube, and I'm finding this by finding all of these bargain bin games, the GameCube actually holds up, the graphics still hold up pretty well. And normally I don't care too much about graphics unless they're absolutely hideous, but they still look okay today. Um, you know, I've been playing a lot of Mario Party, and that's still very acceptable because, you know, things are highly stylized. Metroid Prime still looks pretty good. I mean, there's there's a lot of graphical things that still look good. And the controls aren't totally crazy. You know, the controller is pretty comfortable. They didn't get into that mindset of, we have to do a certain type of game. There's a lot of variety in the different kinds of games. So, you know, GameCube improved, but after that, we had the Wii, and just the fact that there are motion controls for everything. Um, my wrist was ready to fall off after Metroid Prime 3, after a half an hour of playing, and I couldn't even fathom doing this for any more than like one or two games. Yeah, and I played yeah. Metroid Prime 3 for probably uh, like five minutes on the Wii, and after that, I said, fuck this. I'm not doing this. I have perfectly good Metroid Prime games on other systems. Yeah. As the proud owner of the Metroid Prime trilogy, I fucking right. love, love the control scheme. I don't do it for long periods of time, but it, it's worth it. See, I, I was one of those strange people who actually thought the controls for Metroid Prime were more intuitive and comfortable than, like, Super Metroid. Um, everything had a button that was clearly mapped, and I felt really good, and I just got really good at the games, um, knowing where everything was and how to handle the controller. And to go from that, where I had perfect control, I'm a control freak, it's okay, um, to Metroid Prime 3, where I had to do a lot of aiming, and this segues into my other thing that I was going to talk about. Um, I, I have issues aiming on consoles, which is why I'm not terribly good at GoldenEye, which is why I could never play Halo. Um, even with the Wiimote, my hand is just a little bit shaky, I couldn't have the precision aiming. But on the PC, the PC I still love, um, and I I'm, honestly am more of a PC gamer than I am a console gamer. The problem is that like two of my favorite video game series, Mega Man, um, on the consoles. So I am sort of by necessity a console gamer. But um, I absolutely love PC games. And for that, there never really was a golden age nor an end of a golden age um, up until more recently, like the past 10 years or so, um, when my computer couldn't handle some of the graphics on things and um, some of the high-tech processes necessary to play them at all. Um, but PC gaming has always been enjoyable for me, and there's always been a little something different to enjoy. There's never really been a sort of a, a slowdown of great games for the PC, I have to say. It, it, it really did succeed in pretty much every... Um, there, was some, there was more or less something for everyone for the PC. There always has been, because if you don't... I mean, 
if you don't like the mainline stuff, there's always the indie scene. Uh, but that's more of a recent thing, obviously. And before that, you had shareware stuff, like Apogee games, like uh, oh, yeah. Commander Keenan. Um, oh, God, I just called Commander Keenan Apogee game. I've done a blatant factual error. Oh, God, and it's preserved forever. Why? Uh, <laughs> but no, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. Not wrong with me. Um, no, I've always enjoyed the PC, but I have to say, and this is... Um, I suppose it is somewhat dubious, but we're talking about the Wii and we're talking about retro games, so I'm going to sort of talk about the virtual console a bit, if that's okay. Yeah. Um, I don't understand the point of the virtual console. I mean, I understand that the point is to play these old games again for people who don't know what ROMs are, uh, I suppose. <laughs> but not really grasped that yet, because the problem is, in Europe at least, you, you're always getting the PAL versions of these games, and they are slow. They are like 10% slower. Uh, and they, they look washed out, and they haven't been put across properly, basically. There's, emu there's emulation issues. When anyone who's going to be buying these games is going to be emulating them anyway on their PC, I'm just thinking maybe they should offer some kind of incentive besides just a straight-up, here's Kirby's Adventure, good as it is, here's an inferior version of it for you to play on your the, the incentive is that it's theoretically as close to the original experience as possible, that you're playing on an actual TV, most likely, you know, some people do monitors and stuff, but um, if yeah. you're playing on an actual TV with a real controller, which admittedly is nothing like the original controller for the system that had this game in the first place, but yeah, it's right. at least a start. Even though there's controllers that you can plug into your PC, um, and yeah. that some people have a PC gaming setup that's better than sitting in front of a TV, um, I think that's the virtual console is more aim towards people who just don't have the the high-tech PC stuff, aren't, aren't into PC gaming at all, and therefore wouldn't have a nice setup for it, wouldn't have a controller, just people who want to sit down on their couch, download a game for the heck of it, and play it. You know, people who aren't maybe into the emulation scene. I think that's a big problem with it. I think, I mean, I think they should have maybe offered two types, two tiers of the game for download, maybe the completely untouched version of Mario and then have like an online multiplayer capable Mario that would add so much playability and I'd actually yeah. be buying things instead of just downloading it from them. I think they really dropped the ball on anything internet related really. I uh I I mean recently they've been adding I think Sunsoft added like a scoreboard to Blaster Master or something. Yeah. Uh, which is I mean it's such a media sort of it's such a tiny gesture to add an online scoreboard to a NES game but it adds quite a lot. It adds a new element to a game that never had that competitive sort of uh, feature because back then it was just you'd finish Blaster Master you'd go hey you'd ring up your friends or whatever hey I just beat Blaster Master oh awesome what was the final boss like etc 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 but now you can know if you have beaten Blaster Master faster than some guy in Yugoslavia so uh, I guess that's a, that's a new addition for the virtual console but yeah also it's I, not much but it's good enough for me just something just something been releasing one thing I have been doing, which is a good feature. Is they've been releasing, I believe, import games for the sort of Hanabi Festival or something. That is cool. I am happy with that. Fantasy, which is fantastic, and Sin and Punishment, which so few people have had a chance to play as well. And as a result you know of Sin, and Punishment, there's a sequel coming, I believe, on the Wii now. Yeah, there is. Yep. Yep. Our successor. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Something just occurred to me. Uh, another reason why people might choose downloadable. Um, virtual console games instead is, at least at the Wii, I can't speak for any other system, when you're looking at the list, you've got a huge list of games that you can click into and see the little description and maybe just for the heck of it, download it, try it out. Whereas with ROMs, you sort of need to know what you're looking at, unless you're just haphazardly downloading ROMs left and right, or unless you've read something about them in advance. You're not just going to flip through, see a screenshot for it, see a little description and say, oh, this looks interesting, I'll try this out. No you're, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So I don't not, know. There's there's an amazing uh, there are these amazing emulators out there that show you screenshots of the games, and I believe there are a few that even have uh, that go as far as to getting like a paragraph or so about the game itself before you start yeah. it out. Well, I'm really behind then. <laughs> they're they're pretty fancy. In fact, I have one on the on the Wii right now that plays through all kinds of games. It doesn't give you a, a description. Or even a, actually not even a screenshot. That was the Xbox one, but it's very it's very useful, and you can use it to make a a judgment. While we're on the subject of judging games, we just did a huge project of gathering all of the game cool staff writers together who would participate to put together a top fifty list of the best games ever. And I was going to talk about that for a bit. It was cheap. I was robbed. 
I was robbed. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Zach. You were robbed. I was Right. I was just hearing a lot of ooping and ooping coming from you. Crying about SSX3 not being on the. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah, I think so. I could be wrong. I mean. Nope, that was it. That's what I Okay, so in general, in general, was it a vaguely fair list. I mean, just a, a quick little rundown for those of you who haven't uh, read this. We've got things on the bottom in the 50, 40 range. Things like Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance, Faxanadu, Mega Man 4, Dark Deus Ex, The Conspiracy, and Flower. And then way up higher at the top of the list, um, in our delightful top 10, um, we've got, let me bring it up here, Oh, patience. Super Metroid. Um, our top um, ten games are Super Metroid, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Super Mario 64, The Curse of Monkey Island, Earthbound, Super Mario Brothers 3, Mario Kart 64, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, Chrono Trigger, and Taboo the Sixth Sense. I mean, I was really pleased to see Link's Awakening so high up. Um, I was, mainly because it's the only Zelda game favorite. I can even tolerate. I've, beat, I've, only beat, I've beaten that one about four or five times, uh, Link's Awakening, in various forms, like the original one and the deluxe one. I say various, I mean two. Um, and it's fantastic. It's just such a good game. It's a wonderful experience, and I, w- I will be playing through it again, probably, probably now, actually. I'll probably start playing it. Um, but all the other Zelda games I found really plodding or in some way just not for me. Uh, but that one is wonderful. I think it's a fantastic game. Ocarina you know what's of interesting? Time. Sorry, go Sorry, on. Sorry, I'm Cool. I was just going to talk about how Ocarina of Time is shit, and everyone would have probably disagreed with me anyway. So. <laughs> um, interestingly, I think you're the first person I've ever talked to who has been sort of in agreement with me about the Zelda series, because I, and again, this is just the kind of gamer that I am, I really don't care for the Zelda games. I I, I like Zelda 2. I'm like the only person on the planet who likes Zelda 2, because it was a platformer. There were parts of it that were terrible. But still, I enjoyed that game. And Link's Awakening was my favorite because you've got the rock's feather that lets you jump, like in other games that I'm accustomed to. You've got a shield that you can actively bring up to bounce projectiles back. You had a lot of different weapons and a lot more control over the situation. One of the things that bugs me about the other Zelda games is that I don't enjoy a lot of the puzzles, and the whole 3D thing bothers me as well. Um, just the, the fact that I feel like I can never do all of the stuff that I would be able to do in a PC game of the same yeah. nature. I can't jump around, I can't be, you know, running off of walls or any other sort of nonsense I might try to do. I liked Link's Awakening. A huge part of the appeal for me is the fact that the map is so sprawling. You don't have to run for, like, 40 minutes to get anywhere. Hmm. Uh, and that's, I didn't really like Link to the Past, which I got, I, did, I got fairly far into Link to the Past, but I just got fed up with being a dungeon and basically having to track across the entire map to get to the next one are just massive and in Link's Awakening they're really compact and every room is like an individual kind of a puzzle um, yeah. it's all just so well put together and, and I've got to say there's not much script but what script there is there is just completely charming and and, then, and I don't want to spoil it but the ending is just a massive kick in the face as well <laughs> which is always good um, it's just a fantastic game it's got so much imagination and music is fantastic the music is beautiful I like the music uh, when when you when you get the instruments at the end of the dungeons and it plays the little battle of the windfish, mm-hmm. but um, every time I hear that it's like goosebumps. It's that's kind of lame, I know, but it's just wonderful. <laughs> and, uh, that's sort really of cool. The fetch quest where you get like the honey for the bear and then the pineapple for I don't know who I've gotten the guy who likes pineapples, I guess. Uh, right at the beginning when you sprinkle magic powder on the raccoon and he starts bouncing around the screen, that kind of thing. Everything about it is just so appealing to me. It's wonderful. And I have to say, Oracle of Ages and Seasons were just not as good. You know, I liked, just as a quick side tangent, I liked Oracle of Seasons because it kind of reminded me, but Oracle of Ages um, felt too original Zelda for me, and I had issues with the original Zelda more than almost any other Zelda game. Um, so I think it was just sort of the style, the feel of it that got me. For me, with, with something like Ocarina of Time, I only really got to play it when the GameCube came out because I got hold of that collector's disc, which has like four Zelda games on it. Mm-hmm. I playing it, just fully expecting like the best game experience ever, because yeah, it's been it's been so it's been so hyped. Everyone was always saying it's the best game ever made. Um, all magazines voting it up number one in their top 100s. The internet just buzzing around it. And I played yeah. it, and I was myself essentially thinking, well, this is okay, but it's really it's too much of a runaround. It's really samey. You go into a massive field with not that much in it. And all right, so Zach, 
Christian, I'm sorry, I keep cutting you off, Stu. My apologies. Okay, I'll finish. I'll clean your time is shite. Carry on. <laughs> Zach, Christian, refute us. Tell me why these games, or this game belongs on the top ten list as high as it does. I, I don't have a problem with it. Honestly, I've never played it. It looks like a perfectly good game. I, I don't have an argument against it. I guess I would defend Ocarina of Time. I think it's a pretty good game. Uh, is Ocarina worthy of all the praise it gets? Maybe not. But really, what would be? I don't think Christ would be deserving of that much praise. <laughs> I like the comparison, I've got to say. <laughs> I think like uh, Ending Dangerous Territory, but like Jesus Christ, I think Ocarina of Time is a bit dated. You know? Yes. If, I think Careful, if Ocarina... Where are you going with this, too? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's 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 it's, it's not good territory to be in. Um, <laughs> I'll leave the metaphor aside, I think, or the comparison or whatever it's called. I don't know. Basically, Ocarina of Time, when it came out, was probably awesome, but now it's just been superseded in pretty much every respect, I think. Um, not the Zelda games. I really like watching people play them, but I don't like actually playing them. Twilight Princess for the GameCube, relatively recently, I traded a ton of darkness for it, and I regret it, to be honest, uh, because I played Twilight Princess for all of five minutes. Nothing happened, and it went off, and I've not played it ever again. I realize that's not really a very long time to give it a chance. But if nothing happens in five minutes, not anything remotely engaging, it's just Link standing around talking with this guy, really sort of, really earnest, kind of boring sort of, hey, let's go and do this, Link. Okay, you know, let's go and find your horse. Where's your horse, Link? And I'm like, I don't care where his horse is. I'm going to play Mega Man again, you know? <laughs> I, I just, in Mega Man, you put it in, and within five seconds, you've killed like 100 enemies. It's awesome. But so wait, was that you who did? Uh, I've forgotten who was talking about Mega Man now. Who'd written like all of those reviews of Pew That's me. That That's was, me. Yeah, those, I've got to say I was quite pissed because I really wanted to do some Mega Man reviews, and I was like, "Hey, I could do." He's not done that. Oh, he has. He's done them. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> cool. Hey, you I, still I'm, got the Game Boy games. I haven't covered those yet. I'll, I covered one of those. Eventually, do the Mega Man Zero games because those are the, some of the best games I've ever played. There's always Mega Man Soccer. <laughs> Yeah, that's pathetic. That game. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't have to. I don't have to play it. But speaking of retro and slightly going back a bit, talking about the GameCube. Uh, the GameCube and retro for me, they're kind of hand in hand. That's why I love my GameCube is I can play all the Sonic games on it, and all the Mega Man games, and all the Mega Man X games. I mean, all the ones worth like pretty much worth a damn anyway. You know, <laughs> all on one console. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mega Man X Seven is is an experience. It really is. But um, and Mega Man X Eight, I thought was really good. I really like that game. Uh, sure, it has some really shitty uh, into-the-screen levels, and sure, that's pretty much all the levels, but, you know, it's okay. It's not that bad. Mega Man X7, however, is more or less an abortion. I, I can't stand that game. Um, just no, just as a, a side note, if anybody's seen my Mega Man videos on YouTube, you know that I've got some kind of skill with Mega Man, and having played through the entire X series up to that point, I've noticed that each Mega Man X game gets more difficult than the one that preceded it, to the point where I got to Mega Man 7 and actually could not beat the intro stage because I game over before I got to the boss. Wait, you actually went through Mega Man X6? No, no, no X7, I was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, I did X got to say, I played that recently on the GameCube on the X Collection. Mega Man X6, I think the whole game is just, it's taking, it's, it's actually mocking you, I think. I genuinely reckon when they were making that, the developers were like, oh, I'm fed up with this, why don't we just try and hurt them? Why don't we just harm the game players? Why don't we try and no, no, injure no, no. them? They, they said, we want to make this a very new, difficult, creative challenge. They just didn't have anybody playtest it to see if it was possible to beat it. That's all. I just think it's but, a type of torture, really. I don't think there's any point during the development. Which is that stage? Um, yeah, what's the stage? The stage where you're um, with the big red donuts with the green um, Blaze Heatnik stage. Yes. That stage, at no point during the creation of that stage was that ever considered to be fun. There's no way. There's absolutely like no way. Why? If you have special weapons. But again, that's that's getting further and further away from our top ten list because um, if we had a bottom fifty list, maybe you'd put Mega Man X six on there, possibly. Possibly, I don't think it's in the bottom fifty. I think there are fifty worse games than Mega Man. X6. No, I, I would be inclined to agree with you. There were certain parts of it I liked, but um, any other last complaints or hooray celebrations about the top fifty list that we put together? Portal is number one. Yes. I don't, I, all that really demonstrates is that GameCola staff don't really have a long-term memory. I know I've already made that joke, I apologize. 
And I've got to be honest with you, I've never played Portal. I just don't believe it's as good. It's better than every other game, you know? I, I don't accept that. I don't well, see what how I like about it is that being the, the retro gamer that I am, I like something that is simple to learn, but challenging to master. That's the best oh, yeah. game philosophy I've encountered. And Portal really encapsulates that because it, it certainly is mind-bending to try and figure out how these portals actually work. And it's a puzzle game, and I love puzzle games. But right, the yeah. fact that everything about it is so simple except for the puzzles. They intentionally didn't put a lot of decorations around to distract you from the puzzles. It's very, very straightforward rooms that are pretty empty and everything that's in them is related to solving the puzzle. And being the huge puzzle fan that I am, being a fan of first-person shooters, being a fan of just general creativity, doing something different that I personally had never seen done in a game before. And also the, the kind of humor... The, the fact that there was a lot of atmosphere, even though there was almost nothing to create atmosphere, just really came together for a fantastic game experience that was pure fun. There was nothing frustrating. Or, I mean, there were times that were difficult and challenging, but there was nothing like, oh, I need to get you know five more of these shine sprites and then I've gotten 100%, or, oh, there's this really impossible boss who keeps killing me all the time. It was really a learning experience where I got better. It has yeah. No it was just a, it was just a solid game through and through like like you said it's it's really easy just to pick up get the hang of it and start going but it's really hard to master all the different uh, things with the physics engine and everything to solve all those puzzles it, I think it was put together so well didn't they make it to add in a load more content as well like yeah, there's um, there's more to it um, I haven't played any of it outside of the regular game all oh, right right but, I mean, it's a game I'd like to play. I'm not dismissing the game entirely. I'm just not convinced it's the best game ever made. Is my um, Not that the list is exactly representative of the best games ever made, as opposed <laughs> to which... I mean, let's be realistic. If it was about the best game ever made, Mickey Mouse in the Cast of Illusion for the Sega Master System would be up there. It'd have to be, you know, um, since it, it has super, it's the superior of every other game. I mean, this is a given. Well, well, here's the thing, though, that if you look at how we came upon Portal being the number one game. Nobody, nobody voted it the best game ever. Everybody yeah. said it was number four, number five, or number six on their list. But that's enough of a consensus that yeah. even if it is not necessarily universally agreed to be the best game ever, it is such a great game that is widely enjoyed that it belongs up there because, I guess, fewer people would argue with it. Yeah. So yeah. Another, another way of looking at it. So this yeah. could be a top 50 list of games that are generally agreeable to be <laughs> at this spot on the list. I just like the idea of a top 50 list of games that are generally agreeable. You know? <laughs> That's fine. That would be great. Oh, well. We can dream. Moving into the uh, the last portion of this podcast as we start to wind things down a little bit. We're getting closer to uh, having been here an hour. I'd like to go around and sort of connect things back um, with what we do in other podcasts and uh, what we're talking about here in this podcast. We've got lots of people playing video games, I'm sure, so hopefully everybody's playing at least one game right now, on and off. And I'd like to hear what kind of games we're all playing and how they stack up to the games from your golden era of gaming. Well, I myself, I, uh, I picked up Red Dead Redemption yesterday. And I'm probably just an hour or two into it. It is it's really, really good. It's it's like a solid Western story. It's like watching a Western movie. And all all the mini games in it are fun. It's an open world. You can go do whatever you want. You can tie some broad up and throw around the train tracks if you want. And uh believe me, I want. And uh you can go steal horses and cattle, you can go bounty hunt, you can do pretty much anything you would do in the Wild West, or at least that you would do in the, the mythical Wild West. And uh, how, how it stacks up to previous games, I don't know. Like, uh, look at the NES's Lone Ranger. Hmm. Eh, not so well, I mean, good. not necessarily previous games of the same genre, but is it in line with the kind of games that are in your golden age of gaming? So the same general style, the same kind of challenge, the same aesthetic, the same fun factor, memorability, any of those things that uh, help to categorize your golden age of gaming. Hey, uh, not to butt in here for a second, but I have to get out of here. Sorry, guys. Sorry, I'm Sorry, Zach. Do you have any last words before you go? Um, I like video games. 
Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. And then there were one, two, three. I love that you had to count that. So Red Dead Redemption, who was talking about Red Dead Redemption? I'm really losing track of who's talking. At the time. I was, was talking that, was about that. that. Was that no, that, that was me. Oh, Shall yeah, I speak with a funny accent, Stu? Would that help you? No, 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 it's fine. Us. I'm sorry, I'm just incompetent, okay? <laughs> um, no, basically, I've got a question about Red Dead Redemption. This is a bit sort of self-serving, so I apologize. All right. Can you shoot a guy who's on top of a saloon, and then he falls into a trough? No, that's, that's Mad Dog McCree. <laughs> Right, yeah, I was going to say, because that's conspicuous by its absence, if that's the case, you know? <laughs> well, actually, no, I, th I think you can. Uh, I don't know if there's any troughs, but I think when you if shoot everything's them, lined up just right. <laughs> when you shoot him, he's got to throw his arms up, lean his head back, <laughs> close his grimace, and just fall, like, straight back. <laughs> and just but go, you know what? Oh! No Wild West game is ever going to be as good as Sunset Riders, so there's no point in even trying anymore, really. <laughs> Sunset um, Rider? Yeah. Sunset Riders. Oh, I just, the name doesn't sound familiar. Um, it's an arcade game, uh, four players. Um, it's the one Konami. that it's, it's one, one of those Nintendo. 1991 Konami games that play like The Simpsons and Bucky O'Hare. No, no, no. It's it's, <laughs> no. it's although those are both fantastic games, uh, especially Bucky O'Hare, but that's for another time. Um, <laughs> but no, Sunset Riders is uh, basically a t it's like Contra. Uh, oh yes, it's yes. better than Contra because it's got cowboys in it, and one of them is fully wearing pink, which is of course hilarious. Um, <laughs> Always. And of course, the first boss, when you kill him, he says, bury me with my money, which is awesome. I, I remember <laughs> that now that you do that voice, I totally remember that game. So basically, having never played Red Dead Redemption, knowing next to nothing about it, I can confidently declare that Sunset Riders is superior in every respect. <laughs> I'm going to try like a bastard now to get an all pink suit just because it's it would be so much more humiliating to die by the cowboy in pink. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. That's the same reason I always pick the big bunny rabbit in Bloody Roar. <laughs> uh, speaking of Mad Dog McCree, I went into a game the other day, the store called Game, not like into a game. Uh, I went into Game, and they had that on the Wii. Someone's brought it out. Yep. Like, yep. I can't believe that happened. I have that. I, really? I have this unfortunate draw to full motion video games. I don't know why. It's such a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I think it's just because I, I like bad movies. And video games, and this is the combination. I mean, I've been playing... I recently got hold of a Dragon, Dragon's Lair for the Sega CD. Mm -hmm. And it's a piece I, of shit. I can't get into those. I don't get those. I don't know what the hell I'm supposed to do. It's possible. You're walking along, and it's like, okay, do I press right? No, he's dead. You know? Yeah. yeah. No, I know. They have that an arcade near my house. I'll go, I'll pump in my dollar, and I'll try to press a button at the right time, and I can't. And then I just no. say goodbye to my dollar after five seconds. <laughs> There's nothing to do in those games except watch yourself lose money. Yep. I see no point. But I'm glad the Mad Dog McCree came out. I'd like them to bring out Area 51, actually. Um, that's another arcade shooter. I think that was by Midway. Um, highly recommended. Oh, and Revolution X with the Aerosmith Guidance. <laughs> oh, good, good lord. <laughs> so you don't happen to be playing any of those right now, are you, Stuart? Uh, no, I'm... Sorry, I've totally gone off on a tangent there. <laughs> well, I, I, what I'm actually playing is Phoenix Wright Trials and Tribulations, but I've been told explicitly not to talk about that. So uh, I'll just say <laughs> that it's quite good, and I've only recently just got it's got it's got claws in me basically. But what, the other game I've been playing is Jack and Daxter, the first one on the PS2, um, and basically it's pretty good. It's pretty damn good. But uh, I'm assuming folks generally know Jack and Daxter. What it is, it's just a sort of a 3D platform game. Right. And one of the first ones to do a really sort of convincing 3D world in that it wasn't so much levels, everything kind of connected up really nicely. Um, and it's for some reason, it's not really gotten the acclaim I think it deserves, that series. It's just all three games are really... All four games, sorry, if we're forgetting about the racing spin-off, you know, uh, Jack X. <laughs> but no, Daxter, Jack 2, Jack 3, Jack X, they're all just really good little games, I think. A lot of people hate Jack 2 because it went kind of GTA. They dropped the whole... Um, running and jumping fun locks kind of thing and just turned it into a Grand Theft Auto clone where you nick cars. But you still do a lot of jumping. Uh, but basically, I suppose, getting onto the actual point, Jack and Daxter does feel a lot like an old classic video game, mainly because you still collect a hundred floating things, you know? It's all about collecting. It's very much like uh, something like Banjo-Tooie, uh, where, or any of those rareware games, where the whole point is to collect a hundred pieces of shit 
and then 200 other different colored pieces of shit for some other stupid pointless thing. And then once you've done that, you unlock the ability to collect even bigger pieces of I don't know, you know? <laughs> I mean, BK64 came out earlier, and that game is an absolute clusterfuck. Sorry, it is. It's like you've got 200 bananas for each freaking character that you can't get without switching characters every five seconds, collect 200 thousand golden bananas and once you've got them you can like make nintendo bananas or some equally obnoxious thing it it takes a long time <laughs> i i've got i think i racked up something like 16 hours and then i just realized what i was doing and stopped um but no essentially jack and daxter is pretty excellent i recommend it to everyone the first one's very similar to the crash bandicoot games but it, you know it would be it's from the same developer uh who now make uncharted and uncharted 2 which was pretty critically acclaimed i never played it but you know it looked good but yeah, okay. uh, Stu heartily recommends the Jack series to anyone. Not so much the one on the PSP, you can avoid that. But, <laughs> Fair uh, enough. Pretty good. But yeah, uh, I guess, you know, Phoenix Wright. Woo! Phoenix, Phoenix Wright. Woo! Everyone loves Phoenix Wright. I myself am straying away from newer games, like I have a tendency to do. And yeah. the one, <sighs> amazingly, I've sort of whittled down my currently playing list to one game, really, and then something occasionally with other people. I'm playing... The Game Boy Advance remake, Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls, and I've played through the remake of Final Fantasy 1. I'm now playing the remake of Final Fantasy 2, like the actual Japanese 2, not Final Fantasy 2 that's 4 for the Super Nintendo with Cecil the Dark Knight, you know, all that. Um, no, the actual real 2. And I have to say, I, I really, really liked most of the original Final Fantasy. I still prefer Dragon Warrior, just because I'm strange like that. But I like the original Final Fantasy, and I have liked like one or two i liked final fantasy 4 and i liked mm -hmm. mystic quest <laughs> but i am really playing through the final fantasy games now to try and and see why anybody loves these games as wildly as they do because all of the other final fantasy games that i've played so far i've really not been impressed with or i've been frustrated with or i got all of the entertainment i wanted to get out of them in the first hour and yeah. i'm putting myself through this punishment of playing all the final fantasy games to see if really there's one that does live up to the hype um and i again i don't like random encounters and there's a lot of that so final fantasy 2 is what i'm playing right now and it's strange because I, you know, I was sort of trying to compare it to my golden era of gaming where with, like, uh, the original Dragon Warrior, every hit point counts. Um, there's a lot of tactics. And with Final Fantasy II, the tactics are don't let the enemy get a first strike because they'll kill you in one turn. And I'm really getting sick of this. So I'm playing through it. It's okay. But it's really sort of been drudgery. And I've been finding that with a lot of games that I've uh, gone back and played recently. It's, it's very sad to me. Hmm. I gotta say, did anyone here play Retro Game Times for the DS? I it's on my to get list. Uh, basically, I can't. Well, basically, I can't play stuff like the original Dragon Warrior and Final Fantasy because I find them just too archaic. And I know that's not really so much. That's more of a personal thing, you know. But well, there's a little there's an RPG on Retro Game Challenge called Guardia Quest, mm -hmm. which is essentially just a clone of Dragon Warrior 1, and I found that really playable for some reason, and there's almost no differences, so I don't get what makes that one so fun and the other one so uh, archaic. Although I have to say, once again, playing them on an, on an emulator, you can fast-forward everything, so that's a bonus. Um, that helps. can't imagine playing those games on the actual hardware. I just cannot comprehend me having the patience to sit there and not just want to put Bucky hair on. Um, but I don't know how the remakes are. I assume they've been streamlined a bit on the Game Boy Advance. Uh, talking about the remakes of the Final Fantasy games? Yeah. I well, it's interesting. Been... Final Fantasy 1, I like. I still prefer the original, but they, they certainly gave it a graphical treatment. They threw in some bonusy extras. They definitely made it easier um, that you can really progress through the game a lot faster without needing to grind forever to level up. Um, but the, I don't know, the, the music wasn't quite, uh, some of it was better, some of it was not as good. Um, and there was actual plot thrown in. They really tried to put in mini cutscenes here and there. So that was fine. I have no idea what the original Final Fantasy II was like. I can't really speak about it. But it did seem to be fairly plot intensive. Um, and I don't know if it was that way in the original. But there's lots of characters to keep track of. So that's my experience with it. And that's really the only thing that I'm playing right now. I'm I'm excited for some of the things I have on the horizon. There's another Star Trek game. There's um, some random Mega Man game. There's 
Um, someday I'll get around to Ghostbusters, the game, the video game. Um, lots of yeah. good stuff. And I'm still working on getting to that one. And I, I was out at uh, PAX East, the gaming convention in Boston, a couple of weeks, or actually a month or two now ago, and picked up a couple of random, old, cheap video games, stuff like Cruising USA for the N64, like, hooray, which doesn't work in my machine, so I got gypped. <laughs> but um, a couple of games like Rocket Ranger, fun stuff and bad stuff. Cruising USA got terrible reviews, but I thought it was really fun. I don't know, I enjoyed the arcade game. I never tried, well, I've tried the N64 version once, but I just, mm. I liked that I didn't really care about winning. I just sort of like driving through the scenery. Yeah, yeah. Well, I find that about, like, something like OutRun as well. I never win OutRun, but it's great fun. So, hopefully, next time around for the next podcast that I'm involved in, I'll have a more interesting, thorough list to talk about with games that I'm playing. I'm really psyched for playing other games now. <laughs> Gotta tell you. So any final thoughts before we wrap this in, uh, bring things on home? I like video games. Sorry. I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm just here to take down the system from inside. (laughs) Alrighty. Um, So thank you, everybody, for listening to Game Cola Podcast number 25. I'm your host, Nathaniel Hoover. I'm some other guy, Stu. Stuart. A.K.A. Mid Boss, but don't actually call me that because it's embarrassing, and I wish I hadn't said that now. <laughs> and I'm Christian yeah. Porter, and I write and, all kinds. Of- and that's it. Go home, play video games. Bye. Yeah. Goodbye. I think I talked too much. Sorry, I just went on and on and on. No, that was actually okay, um, because you're, like, never in any of the podcasts, so it's good for you to be able to get your input in. Good fun. It's good fun. It's much better than my old podcast, which was just me and a friend just swearing. It was really, really boring. Well, if you want to do one separately with me, I can definitely get in on that. Yes, it would essentially just be, oh, well, this game's coming out. That's fucking shit, you know? Whatever, who gives a shit about that? That's worse than and then comparing it to some, like, world tragedy. Uh, <laughs> it was really embarrassing. Like that is the know. 9-11 of video games. Uh, well, the 9-11 of video games is unquestionably... Oh, God, I don't know. Um, anything on the 360, I don't know. <laughs> they can't even get Mega Man right on the 360. You get Mega Man 10, which I played, and it's just, I was so excited about it. And then I played it, and I was like, well, the old NES ones were never this freaking difficult. This is an oh, it's so video. hard. I played it for five minutes, and every time I would jump o- over a hole, something would knock me into it, and I was yes! just like... That's my it. big... My biggest, well, no, I have a lot of problems with the game, but one of them <laughs> is that all of the challenges are all of the most frustrating, annoying challenges out of any yeah. Mega Man. Like, oh, look, here's a boss who freezes you in place so you can't move. Look, here's a boss who slams in the ground and freezes you in place so you can't move. Here's something that pops out of every hole. Ah. Yeah, the Mega Man games would give you legitimate challenges. With yeah. this one, you just get pissed off, you give the screen the finger, and you walk out of the room because it's being so cheap. Well, the thing is, the original six on the NES, they weren't bullshit hard. They were hard, and there were bits that were really hard. Like, Mega Man 2 had one uh, particular... The, the, well, once you've memorized it, it's easy, but the boss where you've got to use your crash, the crash bombs to destroy all yep. those turrets... Yep. Yep. Once you've memorized it, piece of piss, you know? But Mega Man 9 or 10, every single level, there's just this wall of pain. It's, like, it's almost like it's, it's a Mega Man game made by people who didn't really like them that much, I guess. <laughs> um, I mean, or someone who kind of heard of them. Yeah, someone's like, oh, Mega Man games, oh, yeah, they're supposed to be pretty hard. And just I've heard they're really hard. Let's make one like that. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, the one on the SNES, uh, Mega Man and Base, or Rockman and Forte, I guess, if you want it that. That one was really hard. But, yes. Um, that's only because of Burner Man, who no one can beat without cheats. I'm convinced it can't be done. <laughs> Seriously, well, try. About Mega Man and Base was that they tried to design the level with keeping it in mind that it would be a challenge for Mega Man and Ace, except yeah. they sort of played through it with Ace most of the time and then ignored yeah, Mega Man. Um, yeah. So there were a couple of sections where, like, how is it physically possible to cross this area without a double jump? The Mega Man Zero games were really hard, but they didn't seem quite as annoying, so they didn't seem unfair. They were, they were unforgiving. Mm. Really love those Mega Man Zero games, and there's that collection coming out. And once that comes out, it's going to invalidate the rest of the industry. There won't be any need for any more games. Uh, that will be it. <laughs> We're done. We're done. Yeah, it's like okay, that's it. All the good games have been made. You know, wrap it up. <laughs> time for time for to stop. It's like they did, they did it with Betamax and VHS. You know, why not do it now? Just uh, okay, video games are done. What's the next thing? 
you know? Square Enix is going to be so psyched that they can finally go off and make movies like they've been wanting to for the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, come on now, The Bouncer was one of the greatest games, and I can't even keep a straight face. So like, <laughs> oh, dear. Although I didn't mind Advent Children. I watched that having really not played Final Fantasy VII. It was just this sort of visual treat. I didn't know what was going on at any point, but, you know, fun. That's yeah, it, was, like Final it Fantasy was this beautiful-looking... Masturbating the uh, the big fans of the uh, Final Fantasy VII series, and that's all it was. Yeah, Freddy's. What about the spirits within, huh? What about the spirits oh, okay. within? I'm sorry, that doesn't exist. I didn't. I enjoyed it. I'm not so terribly critical of it. I, I think I saw it once, and the, the worst I can say about it was that it bored me. <laughs> okay. That's, that's about the only thing I can say about it. Uh, it didn't offend me, it didn't upset me, I didn't get angry, I just got bored. Yeah, I was asleep. As far as video game movies go, the one I want to see is the first Mortal Kombat. I've heard that's not that terrible. You have heard wrong. Okay. <laughs> I'm still going to watch I've always liked Mortal Kombat. I don't really like playing the games, but everything else about them is quite appealing to me. The stupid characters like Liu Kang and Jax. It's just so stupid, and I, I really want to play, see that movie. Oh, well, if you're looking for stupid, maybe you are looking in the right place. Yeah, good. good. That's all right. I can't think of any video game movies that have been any good, and the upcoming Prince of Persia, the trailers make me want to slit my throat, so... Uh... <laughs> Honestly, that looks like it, it might be handled better than any other video game movie up to this point. It's all orange. The only color in the movie is orange. It frustrates me. <laughs> it, it looks like one of those old silent movies where they tinted it a bit to make it look like it wasn't just black and white. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Fritz Lang's Metropolis, except it's got Jake Gyllenhaal and his shit. That's, it's, it looked tremendously awful. The only one I thought was okay was Postal, because it was just that guy, Yuva Bol, or whatever his name is, just ripping it mercilessly out of himself and all gamers, which is great. The fact he got given money to make that movie is just an absolute triumph for the system. Really. <laughs> that alone makes it kind of funny that he was able to get money from people. But to be honest with you, I, I, at the risk, I'm going to sound like a huge dick now but I hold a lot of the gaming community in a sort of a disregard in a way. Like, a lot of the fan base is really pissed me off. So, not to the extent that I actually want to hurt them, obviously. But um, I'm glad that Uber Bowl is annoying these people by making, like, a Castlevania movie set. <laughs> I'd love Although, to be on set on his movies, giving him more ideas, like, oh, now make the guy in Castlevania punch the wall and get a ham out of it. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that would be accurate to the game, and then fans I know, that would be great. And what would be great is if they just put, like... Well, I would say to Uber Bowl, I would say, Uber Bowl, making this uh, Castlevania game, why don't you put just a normal guy wearing white spandex and call him Legion? Everyone will be pissed off with you. <laughs> that would be incredible. I love that sort of thing, where they put it in and they just get it completely wrong. It's like in movies, people playing video games, and they've got, like, a math system with an N64 pad plugged in, making Pac-Man noises with Street Fighter 2 on the screen. And it's like, why don't you just play a game? <laughs> I always think that every single time I see it. It's so rare, even, much, that it makes the right sounds, they're playing the right kind of thing, and they're using the right controller. How much more, how much less effort would it be to just stick a game on? Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Like, did the, prop guy, did the prop guy not realize the controller doesn't even fit? Just play something. Mm. Now, the best one was, like I said, it was in Charlie's Angels, where the, the people were playing two-player Final Fantasy VIII on N64. That was awesome. <laughs> But as a gamer, those things just piss me the hell off because it, it's just so... They didn't care. They did not give a shit. Oh, well. <laughs> Man, we should have recorded this. Oh, well. I know. I know.